As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 240 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, I'm going to list the lineup for Bruce Bochy's 240th game with the Giants. Are you ready? Oh, yes. What do you got? All right. Ray Durham leading off. Jose Castillo, rest in peace, batting second. Randy Wynn, Benji Molina, and Aaron Rowan are in the middle of the order. Rich Aurelia, that's your first baseman. Brian Horwitz in left field. John Bowker at first base uh, and DH. And Omar Vizquel uh, hitting a robust 170 with a 196 slugging percentage. He is your shortstop with Barry Zito on the mound. That is what was going on on June 25th, 2008. And you're frustrated with the Giants offense this season. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. There are some names there. That's some memories. I, I could go all different directions. I could tell you about how Brian Horwitz tried to sell me in like a multi-level marketing Ponzi scheme to sell like vitamins. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to say, oh, that, that sounds interesting, Brian. I'm going to back away slowly now. I could tell you about Ray Durham and how Bruce Bochy once in Milwaukee noticed that Guillermo Rodriguez, who was a rookie catcher, was throwing uh, the ball back to the mound with a little extra gusto because it was his major league debut. And he thought that he'd throw it in the center field. So he asked Ray to just to slide over and just make sure to keep an eye on the throws, make sure you know nothing got past the pitcher's mound. And, and, and Ray dutifully did it. He did it with the bases empty. He did it when the umpire threw the ball back. He did it every single time. And Bochy had to tell him, Ray, you know, when the umpire throws it back, it's not a live ball. So, uh, but uh, that's, my, that's my Ray Durham memory. Lots of different uh, names that you threw out there. 240 episodes, and we get to this Easter egg, and it might be my favorite. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Uh, for Brian Horwitz, there's a Beastie Boys song, Shake Your Rump. And one of the lyrics is, suckers they be saying they can take out Adam Horowitz. 
And I just, every time I see Brian Horowitz's name, I just think of that line and it doesn't quite fit, but it's all I can think of. And this has been going on since 2008. Uh, still broken, still broken. And I'm not happy with it. So maybe I, what was he trying to sell you? Is it something that can help memory? Uh, it was some sort of like vitamin compound. Uh, I, I forget, but um, hmm. yeah. Might I help, hope, might help. Hopefully he did well with that. All right, but we are not here to talk about Brian Horowitz. We are here to talk about Bruce Bochy at least a little bit. Uh, really enjoyed your article, uh, people reminiscing about Bruce Bochy. Uh, we would have to devote a whole nother podcast to the idea that the Carlos Beltran trade uh, didn't work out for the Giants because I maintain that it did, darn it. But everything else in the article was great. Um, so talk to us about Bruce Bochy coming back and and how people were responding to it when he asked them that question. Um, it's it's kind of odd that he's coming back with a different uniform. I mean, it, it is. It, it, but then again, I mean, he really is kind of different because... He's done this job, this is his 26th year as a major league manager, and he's never been fired. And to me, that is the most impressive thing. That's more impressive than the World Series wins. That's more impressive than the fact that he's the winningest manager like in for two California franchises. He's like one of three managers, I think, to have 2,000 wins and, and, and multiple World Series championships. I mean, he is absolutely inner circle Hall of Fame material. But the most impressive thing to me is the guy never got fired. In a job where you basically, like, they tell you how the ejector seat is um, is is rigged when, when you sit down in the chair. I mean, it's like you are hired to be fired in this job. Everyone is. And he's never been fired. And part of that is he could read the tea leaves. And he knew when, you know, an organization was going to maybe need to move in a different direction. And he would excuse himself and leave the party before, you know, the host started cleaning up. Because he knew that that was the right thing to do. And... And so, you know, he didn't make it awkward in San Diego. He left with a year left on his deal because he knew, you know, he wasn't going to get an extension. He did the same thing in San Francisco. You know, he, he knew that Farhan Zaidi was going to hire his own person, probably had the right to do that as someone who was taking over and fashioning the organization as he saw fit. And he didn't want to be a problem. And I think that's that's the emotional intelligence that, that has really allowed him to thrive and be wanted and, and, and have endurance in this role that is just like totally ephemeral. I mean, you know, the Mets, I think, have gone through three managers since we started recording this podcast. So yeah, hats off to Bruce Bochy. Hats off to Bruce Bochy. Size eight and an eighth. Hats off to Bruce Bochy. Have you ever been fired, Andy? You know what? I don't think I've ever been fired. Well, I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. I mean, when I was at Comcast, I had, a, I had an option left on my contract and they didn't pick it up uh, my last year. Uh, which was understandable because the job kind of changed. It was a lot more TV, a lot less writing. I was giving him a lot of pushback on on a lot of things. It was probably for the best. But ultimately, I had a good experience there. But yeah, I did have another year left on my contract that they opted not to uh, not to renew. So I guess that's being fired. Okay, okay. I asked because I've been fired once in my life, and it does relate to this podcast, where in 1996, I was a dishwasher at a steakhouse called Omar's in Ashland, Oregon. And my mom won some sort of season ticket holders lottery where you got to meet with Dusty Baker and Kurt Manwaring before the game. I asked for the day off. They said, absolutely not. It's a Saturday. You can't take a bus down to listen to Dusty Baker and Kurt Manwaring talk. And I said, okay. And I just didn't show up. Uh, that's <laughs> the last time I was fired to talk to Dusty Baker and Kurt Manwaring in 1996. Who among us would have done it differently? Certainly not I. 
I mean, think of the lucrative career path you could have taken. I mean, wow, just uh, you must just lie awake at night just with just oozing with regret over that. I was literally the worst dishwasher in the history of the restaurant industry. I was slow. I was uh, lazy. Just just a bad dishwasher. But uh, now I write for a living and I talk for a living. But let's get back to Bruce Bochy. I thought under your article, the greatest thing you can say, or maybe not the greatest thing, but something that you can say after reading that article is that you go to the comments and there were only two, maybe one person, two people, who were saying like, oh man, I miss Bochy. Now we got this Joker Kapler here. That I feel like would have been a, a common thread or just a constant refrain if you had written this in 2020. If Bruce Bochy had immediately signed on with another team, you would constantly get this, uh, oh gosh, but we got Kapler. I'm not seeing that now. And I think that is one of the easiest ways to compliment Kapler is that he seems to fit what the Giants are doing. There's no longing, no nostalgia necessarily for Bruce Bochy. He's doing great with the Rangers. It's it's like an amicable, amicable breakup, and I think it's working out. Well, I think that, you know, everyone is understanding by now that Farhan Zaidi and the way he operates and the things he values, the philosophies he has, you know, they're tied to Gabe Kapler. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily one or both. They're a package deal. At this point, and if you you know have a problem with Gabe Kapler, you probably have a problem with Farhan Zaidi, and you you know wish that Brian Sabian were still back running the team, or that uh, you know somebody with a different philosophy were running the team. So I don't know if if there's a Venn diagram really where there's much of a an uh, I guess uh, overlap between people who love Farhan and hate Gabe. I don't maybe there was at one point, but I think that that's really narrowed. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair enough. The Rangers have scored this season, let's see, what is it, 659 runs. They are leading the world in runs scored, uh, I believe. Maybe the Braves overtook them, but uh, they can score runs. The Giants, let's see, How? why is there only one Wilmer Flores? Is there a way to clone him? There are multiple Wilmer Floreses, actually. Yes, there oh, are. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you were not making a joke. I thought you were. Oh, that's funny. That makes it even more funny. Oh, my gosh. What's going on with the offense? Fix it. Well, uh, unfortunately, Grant, I hate to break this to you, but the other Wilmer Flores, who was a professional baseball player, is a pitcher. So he's in the Detroit Tiger system. He's not going to help the Giants offense. But, you know, I don't know. Stranger things have happened. I mean, you could have identical twins in the same bullpen with identical ERAs, uh, one throwing lefty, one throwing righty. I mean, you know, invent all the fanciful baseball possibilities you can. It was striking for me. We weren't going to go to Anaheim, but then I saw that Shohei Otani was going to pitch on Wednesday, and I thought, you know, I should go check this guy out, see if he's any good. So I flew down there, uh, and I was down there just for the last two games of the series, and it wasn't really Otani who who beat them. It was Brennan Drury who beat them. It was Mike Moustakas who beat them. It was the guys hitting behind Shohei. A couple times after he was walked, he came up with the big hits. And a couple times, maybe pitchers just got, were so intently focused on getting Shohei out or hoping he would hit you know, a one-handed 111-mile-an-hour piss missile right at an outfielder, which he did a couple times. But then maybe there's a little bit of let-up or you lose a little bit of focus and it's the guys behind you that can do the damage. I mean, we saw it for years with Jeff Kent following Barry Bonds, you know. And right now, Wilmer Flores is, okay, he's not Shohei Otani, but he kind of has a pretty similar OPS to Shohei since June 1st. I think the only guys who have a better OPS since June 1st than Wilmer Flores are Corey Seager 
who arrives in town with Bruce Bochy and Shohei Otani. So, and Wilmer had a great series. He was hitting the ball hard. He was on base a ton, doing what he's been doing all year. But then Michael Conforto behind him, J.D. Davis behind him. Those are the guys that, uh, you know, you need to come through with the big hits and, and, and do the damage after, you know, they've got, they've got Lamont Wade Jr. still getting on base. They've got Tyro Estrada making things happen again in the number two spot. You know, they obviously have Wilmer hitting, you know, really, really well for, for several months and sort of saving them. But you got to get the guys behind them going and you got to get the RBIs. And as much as they're not exactly the currency of baseball cognoscenti anymore, you got to have guys who can drive in runs. And and that's, I think, what's been missing, in my opinion, for the Giants. It was missing in Anaheim. It's been missing really uh, for a couple months now. Yeah, exactly. When I took a look at individual players and how long their slump has been going on for, uh, I was really surprised at uh, Jock Peterson specifically, just how few runs he's been driving in. Just not that many runs, you know. It's a, We're talking like uh, in July he had, let me count them up, this is always exciting radio, uh, but he had seven runs batted in in 23 games uh, in July. That's just, if you're Jock Peterson, you know, he's not hitting ninth. He's not uh, coming up with nobody on base, just constantly coming up with people on base and not a lot of runs to, to show for it. There was only one game in July where he drove in more than one run. That's that's just one player, but it's it, it's certainly emblematic of what's going on with the Giants right now. You wouldn't really think that uh, you'd be sitting here on August 11th and Jock Peterson would have the same number of home runs as Blake Sable. I mean, it's uh, it's not something you would have imagined. And there they are with, with 11 home runs each. In fact, 11 is a popular number. Lamont Wade Jr. also has 11 homers. Mike Yastrzemski has 11 homers. They're just a team with a lot of guys who hit 11 homers. Let's hope they hit more than 11 homers because we still got a lot of season left. But, um, yeah, and, and obviously, you know, Brandon Crawford has just not gotten it going. Uh, he's taken some better at-bats from here and there. You'll see glimmers of, of you know, maybe – He's got a, uh, an opportunity to turn things around, but you know that's he just hasn't really been a plus offensively all season, and the lineup is just doesn't have a lot of length to it. If the four, five, six guys aren't driving in runs, then it's not like the seven, eight, nine guys are are really scaring anybody right now. So you know, not being able to turn the lineup over, not getting production from the middle of the order, that puts a lot of pressure on the top three hitters in the lineup to you know, basically create a rally on their own. And that's not easy to do. So I think that's kind of why the Giants have been in the position they've been in. And if you're listening to this thinking, gosh, I can't wait for the Giants to go out and sign uh, a great hitter this offseason. Well, there is Shohei Otani. But when I was talking to you about Michael Conforto and how he's likely to opt in uh, back into his contract, you said, oh, no, no, no. Uh, he might actually opt out because that's how thin the free agent market is. I was a hundred different gifts. I was the blinking guy gift. I was like the the mind exploding gift because I guess you're right. And that is a very, very poor market for hitters. And the Giants are going to have to figure this out from within for the most part because there isn't a lot of cavalry uh, to sign and, and charge over that hill. Yeah, I'm just going over uh, your colleague and mine, the great and esteemed Jim Bowden, going over his list of potential MLB free agents uh, this offseason. And you've got Otani. Then you've got Julio Urias, Aaron Nola. Matt Chapman is on his list. Clayton Kershaw, 
who is 36 years old, Max Scherzer, who's 39 years old, Josh Hader, Sonny Gray. Oh, all pitchers. Luis Severino, pitcher. Jack Flaherty, pitcher. Marcus Stroman, pitcher. Eduardo Rodriguez, also a pitcher. Lucas Giolito, I'm sensing a trend. Blake Snell. Cody Bellinger. Oh, there we go. There's a position player. But what are you really getting with Cody Bellinger? You really don't know. And then you get to, like, Harrison Bader and uh, Teoscar Hernandez. And then they're at number 19, Michael Conforto. So you can make an argument that Michael Conforto has the best track record after maybe Matt Chapman of any hitter in the upcoming free agent class. And it's a Scott Boris client. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at just this past offseason. Do you know who, who opted out of a $13 million option? A guy named AJ Pollock. <laughs> now he had a five million dollar buyout, but he walked away from thirteen million. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, I think Michael Conforto can probably get himself more than eighteen million guaranteed, uh, especially if he's going to be thirty one and hitting free agency. Would a really big season make him that much more money as a thirty two year old? Uh, the, the season after that, I don't know. I mean, he'd have to have a really really big season. So I, I'm guessing that he might opt out anyway uh, if he ends the season healthy and, and doesn't totally crater in these last you know six weeks or so. It's fascinating because to me, he's the most disappointing uh, part of this Giants offense. When you look at Tyro Estrada, if he said, would you take a 744 OPS uh, before the season started? Sure, absolutely. Uh, 720 OPS from the catcher's position? Absolutely. Uh, do you want a little bit more from Jock Peterson? Yeah, probably a little bit better health from Mike Yastrzemski and certainly Mitch Haniger. Absolutely. But Michael Conforto has been there for the most part in every game and just is not producing uh, up to his standards, at least his pre-2021 standards. And I just, these numbers are eerily similar to what he was doing in 2021, almost identical seasons. This might be who he is now. And it just, the Giants needed the version from uh, 2016 to 2020, who was one of the better hitters in the National League. I don't know if that guy's in there anymore. And I wonder if the Giants have a plan with him. I'm sure they do, but I'm just, I'm wondering if this is who he is now. Yeah, and you know, I don't even know if, if getting back to the free agency talk, uh, sort of folding in what you just mentioned, I don't know if, if the numbers even have to be there as much as the underlying metrics have to be there. I mean, you know, you go look at what Mitch Haniger did in 2022 with Seattle, and he was only on the field for 57 games. Uh, it wasn't like the performance was overwhelmingly great. He had 11 homers, had a 736 OPS, and he got $43 million dollars. And he was 31, same age uh, Conforto would be next year. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking that it's almost a slam dunk that he's going to opt out the more I think about it. Because when you look at Conforto, I think teams are, are not necessarily looking at, you know, the numbers, the back of the baseball card numbers and saying, well, no, that's not impressive. I mean, they're looking at the metrics. They're looking at, you know, like when, when the Giants got A.J. Pollock, they're like, no, his sprint speeds are actually really good. You know, if he's healthy, we're not going to pretend that he doesn't still have major league ability just because 170 plate appearances didn't go his way. Um, So I I think that a lot of teams will look at someone like Conforto and say, you know what, we're going to give him some credit for the fact that he came back after missing an entire year, and that's not easy to do. And we're going to look at the fact his arm strength still rates as above average, uh, and that's that tells you his shoulder's healthy, you know, and, and the fact that his walk rate is still in the 80th percentile, and he's making good swing decisions. So they just need to get him back mechanically to a place where he can start impacting the baseball a little more consistently, and and then all of a sudden, boom, you've got an above average major league outfielder that you may be able to get for, you know, uh, less than what 
a major league outfielder would, would go for otherwise on the free agent market. So as for here and now, the, the you're right. The, the Giants' challenge is to get this guy going, and, and I think he realizes that you know he's been pressing, and, and maybe part of it is the fact that it could be a potential walk here for him. Uh, but I think more than that, it's just he knows that he's got a lot of responsibility on this team to be a run producer, and it hasn't been there. Uh, so you know he, he feels like he's mechanically just a little bit off, uh, his timing is just a little bit off. He's rushing in the batter's box, and that kind of paradoxically has made him late on pitches. Talk to him after the game, uh, what would that be, uh, I guess, Tuesday night in Anaheim. And, you know, he was talking about Wilmer, Wilmer Flores, and they played together in New York, and he said, I'm, I'm watching his at-bats. I'm watching how he paces himself and how he never seems to be in a rush. That's something I want to try to really incorporate. And so for him, it's not a health issue. It's it's really a mechanical and a timing issue. And, um you know, that, that could be something that changes overnight. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And I don't want to pick on Conforto because really the struggles are pronounced throughout the lineup. I mean, we're talking about Austin Slater on uh, July 9th. So just over a month ago, his OPS was 9.03. It's 7.60 now. Uh, that just speaks to how badly he's been slumping. J.D. Davis has been slumping. Uh, Jock Peterson. When I did my individual look at the hitters, he has the weirdest heat map I've ever seen where he's been struggling for a couple months now on pitches down the middle. Uh, pitches, center cut pitches or in the strike zone, around the strike zone. He's been hitting the ball when it's out of the strike zone. Like it's it's like he's Pablo Sandoval without the stuff in the middle. And it's it's bizarre. And I don't think that's going to continue. But it just goes to show that if the Giants are going to score more runs, some of these guys have to improve. Some of these guys, the improvement has to come within. Because what I find myself doing is I'm, I'm looking at Marco Luciano and thinking, oh, maybe he can save the Giants, which is not fair to him. I'm looking at Wade Meckler. Hey, maybe Wade Meckler can save the Giants. And that's not fair. Uh, Luis Matos, can he save? The, you know, it's just not realistic. So it's got to be guys like J.D. Davis, uh, Jock Peterson, Conforto doing what they were doing. And the good part about it is you can point back to them being good offensive players like two months ago. You can point and say, yeah, right back there, do that. And if they do that in August and September, I mean, hey, that's uh, that's gravy, baby. 
Yeah, and um, you know, if if not Wade Meckler, then why not just uh, you know look forward to next year's rotation of. Crawford and uh, Otani and Eldridge, all being two-way players. And, You're talking yeah. Brandon Crawford, right? Y- yes, yes. Actually, you know what's funny? MLB.com had a, a headline a couple of weeks ago where it was like, Crawford embraces being a two-way player. And I'm like, what? What is this? And I clicked on it. And of course, it's it's Reggie Crawford, not Brandon Crawford. And I thought, hmm, they might want to stick his first name in that headline because that, that really did uh, throw me for a loop. But that, that was funny. You do. You want to look at, okay, who's next? You know, I, I, I've seen enough of this person. Who's the next man up? And baseball doesn't really work that way. I mean, you can't just plug people in when they're not ready. I mean, they have to, the opportunity is sometimes a little bit fickle when it arrives, but it usually arrives for a reason. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's any other quick fixes other than the guys that they signed and, 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 and acquired to be in these positions have to be better at their jobs and driving in runs. And that's uh, uh, especially if you want to try to win series against teams like the Rangers and the Rays and the Braves and the Braves again, because you're going to have to win a few games nine to eight. You're going to have to win a few games against those teams eight to seven. And the Giants, I think at last count, are one in 21 when their opponent scores seven runs or more. So I think they've won one of those games in Cincinnati, and that's about it. If they... uh, you know, really struggle to prevent runs against some of these teams that are really good at scoring them, they could be in for a pretty rough ride here. Yeah, absolutely. To change course just a little bit, did you see what Kyle Harrison did last night uh, on August 10th, I guess, if you're listening to this over the weekend? I did not. What did he do? Three and a third innings, uh, no walks, four strikeouts, zero earned runs, one hit allowed. He faced uh, 12 batters, struck out three of them, four of them, uh, and he threw 28 of his 38 pitches for strikes. True or false, that's the last appearance he will have with the Sacramento Rivercats this year and perhaps ever. Mm, mm, that's a tough one because that's what they want him to do, obviously. Throw strikes, limit walks, be pitch efficient. And I don't think they need him to be stretched out because they can just use him as, you know, like they've been using uh, Jacob Junis and, and these other guys. <sighs> Boy, I don't know. I mean, it's not like Tristan Beck, even though he gave up a big homer the other night, uh, really deserves to be demoted at this point. And also, you can only demote him one more time uh, because they've already used a bunch of options on him. So I I don't know if you necessarily want to send him down to bring up Harrison when you still have a pretty good chunk of the season left. I'm thinking maybe maybe when rosters expand in September. I I don't know. I, I, I don't see the major league need being super huge for a pitcher right now. Maybe I'm blind to something, but I'm not sure that uh, I sense that that's going to happen imminently. Do you? I don't know. You know, now that you're talking about, well, who makes room, you know, that's a head slapping moment for me because I'm looking at the active roster right now and there really isn't uh, an obvious corresponding move. I mean, you can always assume that there's someone in uh, the rotation of the bullpen whose shoulder is barkier than normal. Uh, that's just how it happens in August or, you know, the the dog days of summer. So maybe that would be the corresponding move. But yeah, I'm not sure. I agree with you, Tristan Beck. He's been a revelation uh, even when he gives up a, a, an unfortunate home run. Uh, Jacob Junis has been uh, pretty darn good. Alex Wood, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, little bit rough at times this year, but obviously you're not going to want to just uh, cut bait with him. He, he fits the plan. He, he fits the program. So, yeah, I guess it's going to be a little bit more sack time for Kyle Harrison. 
The roster's expanding probably can't come soon enough because I really think the Giants would rather have Kyle Harrison taking the ball instead of Scott Alexander as the quasi-opener. I mean, Scott Alexander's a true opener, but I think with Kyle Harrison, you would have a real, you know, two, three inning, maybe four inning guy, and that would help when you're bringing in Manaya or, or Tristan Beck or Junis. Uh, I think he fits the plan, but it's just a matter of, well, you need uh, 27, 28 men on the roster. Yeah, I think you probably need to have an opponent that's got a lot of lefty bats, and then maybe they have some right-handers on the bench. And then you can have Harrison, and then you can even bring in Wood and have Alexander for an inning, have Taylor Rogers, and you kind of make sure that those those righties never have a chance to peek their head out of the dugout. I mean, that a team like that that would match up well where you could use an extra lefty, that would make a lot of sense. I'd have to you know put on my thinking cap and look at the rosters and see which of the Giants' upcoming opponents would kind of best you know fit into that category. But I, I think they probably just need to see another start like that, uh, like the one he just had. And... Um, and then from there, it's it's a matter of getting him on the roster. Uh, but I mean, very clearly, I mean they've they've made no bones about the fact that they expect Kyle Harrison to make his major league debut this season, as long as he's healthy. And um, you know, I, I think when when the rosters expand in September, even though it's only by a couple spots now, that may be the opening that uh, that they're looking at right now. Well, I'm going to end with a hot take. Are you ready for this hot take? Yes, yes, blistering hot. The Giants should sign should sign Shohei Otani. I, oh, by the way, he is good. I, I did determine that he is good. I also got to ask him a question. Uh, uh, all the Angels reporters were like, "Good luck with that." He's not going to answer it because I guess you only get to talk to him on his start day, which is once a week, and he only takes like about four questions. And so I I snuck in a question and I like rehearsed it in my mind, and it was you know when you first came to. Uh, the U.S. and picked the Angels. The Giants were one of the teams that were a finalist that you met with. What was it about the Giants that you found appealing at the time? And if there was a DH in the National League, could you have made a different choice? And now I know what it feels like to throw him a fastball that he hits 508 million feet because he just flicked that question away. That's in the past. I'm here to win ball games. And uh, yeah, so. So anyway, he's not going to give you a real answer. <laughs> no, no, and I even got a, a text or two from folks in the industry who saw the the video was popped up on a couple different Twitter sites, and and um, and I got a couple uh, laughing, crying emojis and nice tries <laughs> thrown my way. So at least I, I I appreciate that other people appreciated the effort, but but yeah, I just I only mean that to say that he is good. I can verify that he is good, and the Giants should sign him. I agree with that. That is not the hot take I had. That is uh, uh, too hot for me. I just, I'm just i still on the fence, still on the fence about Shohei Otani. My hot take is that Farhan Zaidi uh, has no respect for the history of the San Francisco Giants and is not serious about a deep postseason run. Do you want to know why? Yeah, yeah, okay. Because Christian Arroyo was on waivers and he cleared waivers. The Giants could have had Christian Arroyo on the team for a postseason run, that would give them the trilogy, that would give them Connor Gillespie, that would give them Travis Ishikawa as prodigal sons who come back, have an amazing postseason, and help the Giants advance. Where was Farhan on this? Christian Arroyo would have got the Giants to the World Series. Oh, Christian Arroyo. Yeah, I, I mean, now... <laughs> now series, in, by the way. In my version of the movie, it's Matt Duffy, but, um, but, but choose your, your character. 
Yeah, it, it is funny how that has happened. You know, several times the top prospect comes back, maybe has a different idea of what their career has turned out to be. The pressure is off them a little bit. Uh, they don't really see the sand going through the hourglass anymore. They kind of know they are what they are, and they're just happy to be there. And when you're happy to be there, you know, you, you tend to perform better. It's also so counterintuitive. You try less hard or something. So I do think there is something to that. And, you know, Pablo Sandoval came back. <laughs> Hunter Pence came back. I mean, you know, the Giants have had a very revolving door when it came to, you know, acquiring players they've had before. And instead, I think in the Farhan Zaidi era, his revolving door is bringing back old Dodgers. So I, I'm surprised they didn't get Kike Hernandez. I thought they were, uh, you know, but they've got Jock, they've got A.J. Pollock, obviously, who, who didn't overlap with Zaidi in, in L.A., but was there. Ross Stripling, Alex Wood, uh, you know, if Cody Bellinger were on the trade market, you know, maybe the Giants would have been in, in on him, you know, just reassembling the 2019 Dodgers one piece at a time. All right. Well, Listen, if Mark Mathias hits a pennant-winning home run, I'll eat my words, but my stars, Christian Arroyo, come on, man, have some respect for the history of this franchise. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, kind of. All right, this has been episode number 240 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back next week uh, to talk about, perhaps rank, the six runs the Giants will score between then and now. Uh, so we will see you then. Thanks for listening. Hey, wait a second. Can I intercept, interject something really quickly? I have to tell you this because we're only going to have one episode 240. So I have to tell you the joke that made me laugh hysterically when I was in the second grade. Do you want to hear it? Why did the Irishman put 239 beans in his stew? I don't know. Why did the Irishman put 239 beans in his stew? Because one more and it'd be too farty. All right, this has been the last episode of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Uh, We have been canceled because of that pretty darn entertaining joke. All right, thanks for listening. We'll see you then. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.